Hey everyone, uh, this is Brandon, uh, one of the teaching pastors at Fraser. So glad uh, to be back with our podcast. And uh, today we have a very special guest, uh, Virginia Thompson. And uh, for those who don't know her, she uh, Tim Thompson was the lead pastor at Fraser. He retired just a couple of years ago. And uh, Virginia is his wife and uh, had a very active ministry here as well, being a Sunday school teacher and numerous other things. And uh, she has been nice enough to join us on the podcast today. How are you doing, Virginia? I am great. It's a little hot outside, but it's awesome. It's mighty hot. How is retirement treating y'all? We love it. We have, um, since we since we left Fraser, we have gotten five more. We had one little grandchild, and now we've got six on the ground and two coming soon. Wow. So it's very active. So yeah, it's a busy retirement. It is a busy retirement. I've heard retirement is just basically you don't get paid anymore to be full-time busy. We get, we get tickled at the fact that we're so, we are so exhausted and I don't really, we don't accomplish anything, but we do a lot of it. <laughs> yes. Whatever you're doing. It's just, it's, it, a, it lot. Is. it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we wanted uh, to bring you in uh, because one of the questions, we did a survey where we asked people, hey, if you had questions about the Bible, uh, what what are some questions that you would want to ask? And we gave a list of questions. And one of the ones that ranked really high of, of, of a question that people were curious about was, what does the Bible have to say about our identity and uh, placing our identity in Christ and uh, looking at that question? And we thought of you because you shared your testimony a few years ago where you really talked about your story and your testimony and had a lot to do with uh, your identity and your self-worth. And uh, so I just uh, thought it'd be great to start by you just take a few minutes and just kind of um, share that testimony, share your story uh, for those who haven't heard it before. I was going to say, it's really hard to do it in a, in a short amount of time because we're talking about my entire life. Mm-hmm. I really did not like myself at all. I grew up in a, in a, on a farm which was very isolated, which mm. is hilarious because it was on Bell Road. And in those days, there was no bypass. And uh, it was just it, literally we were very isolated. I was the only little girl with a bunch of boys. And I just remember growing up, always being on the outside, always being left out. And when I did start going to school, I found myself trying to figure out how to fit in, how to how to become accepted, how to become loved. And so I would do anything. If Susie laughed cute and if Susie wore a particular dress or whatever, I would just start imitating whoever mm. was the accepted kid. And that sounds silly, except what happens when you do that over a long period of time of becoming what someone else wants you to be, because that's what you're trying to figure out. What do I need to do to make John or Susie or Betty or whoever like me? What do I need to become? So you're constantly taking on, putting off disguises. And in the process of doing that, you lose yourself. Yeah. You absolutely forget. I don't even know that I ever knew who I was. And so I find myself... And it's very interesting because my parents took me to church. Lord, I was in church all the time. I was in church, um, knew the Bible stories, had actually had a real profound experience where I realized Christ died for me when I was 14 at on a, on a church camp, but was still 
out there in the world trying to figure out how to make you like me, yeah. how to be accepted, how to. And so I'm climbing. I'm I'm climbing all these ladders, social ladders, business ladders, uh, and taking on and off disguises a thousand times a day, mm-hmm. just as miserable and as lost with a big fat smile on my face. When people would say, how are you? I'd go, I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine. And about about 40, about 40 years old, um, I remember just I'd gotten to the point of total exhaustion and just going, you know, God, this life is awful. I, mm. I don't have abundant life. You know, the Bible talks about abundant life. I don't have it. This is horrible. I hate my life. Wow. And I'm living the life everybody wants. I've got this great husband. I've got these beautiful children. I have a job people want. Um, I'm teaching Sunday school, which is really scary. Yeah. You know, and I've got, I literally, um, we are accepted to any social thing we want to go to. I have the life most people think that should make you happy. And on the inside, I was very miserable. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting because you you really had so your lack of identity, lack of self worth wasn't wasn't because of circumstances or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You really had everything the world says you should have. I and had yet it all. You still didn't have that. You know, kind I of had, inside. I I had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the inside, I was I was miserable. I didn't like me. I I didn't like me. I didn't really know how to have real relationships, mainly because I was I was living a lie. No one was knowing the real me. I didn't know the real me. No one else was seeing the real me. And I figured, heck, God didn't like me either. So I was just I I thought God was just waiting to zap me. I was going to screw up one more time and I was going to get zapped to hell. Wow. Because you'd been doing it so long. It's almost you get to this place where, again, like you don't. Even if you're trying to be the real you, you're not really sure oh, what I had that is. No, yeah. I had no idea. And it was it was it was very terrifying. And I remember, you know, my uh what brought me back to God was my mother gave me a devotional booklet and it literally was one of those little devotional books where it's got the Bible verse at the top and a scripture in it. I think it was Daily Guidepost. I started reading that when I would go on a walk and I'd take that scripture with me and I Slowly, over about a three-month period, God was scripture by scripture, line by line, was sinking truth into me, where I was mm. living this big fat lie. Yeah, God doesn't love me. I don't love me. Nobody loves me. You know, I've got to, I've got to earn. I've got to prove myself. I've got to perform to be loved and accepted. That was who I was. Slowly, line by line, God was teaching me day by day, I love you. Yeah, and you're valuable to me, and I'm going to show it to you in my in in the Bible. He was showing me scripture. <laughs> Of he died for me, yeah, you know, and and um, I had a just a huge, um, true come to Jesus about yeah. three months after reading after doing those daily devotionals, where I, I remember just falling on my knees and and you know going, God, do you really love me? You know, do yeah. you? I'll do anything if you'll love me. Mm-hmm. I, I'll do anything. Here I am trying to bargain with God. I'll do anything if you'll love me. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember getting a verse from Ephesians 2, 8 that says it's a gift. Salvation's a gift. Yeah. You just got to reach your hand out and, ex- and, and, and grab it. And yeah. it's hard for performance-based, earned-based uh, people to realize God is trying to give you a free gift. You don't have to do yeah. anything yeah. but receive it. Yeah. That's that's I think that's the hardest truth to keep believing even after you, after you are a Christian is that God's love is not based on your nope. performance it's based on Christ's performance on your behalf and mm-hmm. but it's cuz we live in a world where 
All love is conditional. Every, uh, everything, everything is based on performance. Everything and so it's is hard for us to hold on to that. Everything is great. You, your grades, you get uh, yeah. job <laughs> job evaluations. Mm-hmm. I mean, even sometimes your parents, you know, I'm going to love you if you wear your hair a certain way yeah. and take out the, you know, yeah. take out the piercings. I mean, we are very much performance and, and earned based society. Yeah. But after that moment, after those, after that gift of really uh, uh, the gift of salvation. After that gift, God put me in a little cocoon place. I call it my two years of cocoon. Mm-hmm. I still was going out in the world faking it. Mm. I was still performing. I was still climbing. I was still putting on a mask with every person I knew. But I was still reading scripture and talking to God. 30 minutes a day, I was taking a walk where I'd talk to God. I'd do Mm. the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer, and take that little scripture with me 30 minutes a day. And over two years, God was sinking truth into me, truly teaching me. He loved me, that I was valuable. He made me unique on purpose. He made me different on purpose. Um, And so scripture was everything for for. For my transformation, he was transforming my soul into a person who knew that I was I was loved by God mm-hmm. and I was valuable to God. And yeah. literally, he was whispering to me, just like he whispers to all of us, if you're the only person on earth, Jesus Christ, my son would still have climbed on that cross and died for you. Mm. That's how much I want you with me. Yeah, yeah that's powerful. That's, it's, it's really interesting to me that it it's not like your life went off the train, ra- train rails or anything like that. It was just... Slowly but surely, Scripture speaking truth into your life, and but it started with a crisis. It's just a crisis no one else saw. Yeah, yeah, it was it wasn't a crisis outward. inside yeah. me, and um, and but transformation was was huge. C.S. Lewis has a line, and this is not exactly a quote, but I loved it. C.S. Lewis has a line that says, "The more you become like Christ." the more you become the person God intended for you to be. Mm. And after, I remember, the more you become like Christ, basically the more you put your entire life, jump in the deep end with God. I mean, I was the great doubter. I, you know, I didn't believe many things in the Bible that I thought, you know, I thought Mary and Joseph ran around behind the bushes or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't believe creation, the creation story. I didn't. Finally, once I, once I tasted God's, amazing joy and peace that now he's pouring into me, mm-hmm. I just decided that I wasn't going to doubt God anymore. Yeah. And I refused to doubt. And if a doubt would come in my mind, I would doubt the doubt. Mm. I would look at my little brain and realize <laughs> it's the size of a Coke can and God's brain, is the, he holds the universe in his hand. Yeah. And I would absolutely say, you know what? God's brain is bigger than mine and there's a mystery here and I just am not smart enough to grasp it. Yeah. One day I'm going to go, OMG. Mm-hmm. And God's going to go, that's so cool. Yeah. And, and so I started living like that. It was after two years, though, mm. that God whispered one day and said, Virginia, today we're going to go out naked and unashamed. Yeah. And I remember going, you got to be kidding me, God. What is, you got to be kidding me. And yeah. he goes, no, we're going to go out today. But it literally was after God had been pouring into me the word of God. Yeah. He had been telling me every day how loved I was, how, how, how powerful and and beautiful he is. See, the key is finding the God, learning the God that Jesus loves. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. We've all got these lies in our head about, about who God is. And, and I promise you, most Christians, and this is statistics, most Christians still think God 
gives you good stuff, blesses you if you're good, and yeah. zaps you if you're bad. Yeah. Yep. I promise you, most people I know, when they have something bad happen in their lives, they go, what did I do to tick God off? Yeah. And they just can't quite grasp. That's not who Jesus knew. That yeah. was not the father that Jesus loved. And, and you know, look at look at Jesus' life. He, yeah. I mean, he trusted his father all the way through his life for everything. And even when he was hit with the cross mm-hmm. and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane going, God, I really don't want to drink this cup. Yeah. Is it possible to take it away? Because Jesus had lived all those years in love with his father, trusting his father, knowing his good father, he was able to love God even through the mystery of suffering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, that was a huge difference maker in my life. And really, anytime I've counseled people as a pastor, I think you're right. Typically, people start describing God and the way they describe God, I will end up agreeing and saying, "Hey, I don't like that God either." Mm-hmm. But I, I think Good I think we're off off base on. And usually, it's a very legalistic form of God. God's kind of always grumpy with you. Uh-huh. Every now and then, you might appease him, but for the most part, he's pretty grumpy and, with you. And you know what we're doing? If you if you remember any of your old mythology, what we do is we make our God into the Greek gods. Yes, like they have human emotions, and. If you wanna, if you want to have an a, a, a correct self image, yeah, you gotta you gotta start with with the Bible, with why yeah. God made us. Yeah, He literally made us for His enjoyment, for His relationship, for the for the greatest life on earth, for the mm-hmm. abundant life. That's what He made us for. He made us for abundance. You know, He could have made this earth black and white. He could have made it without music. He could have made it without color. Yeah. You know, he did all that because he adored us mm-hmm. and he wanted it special for us. And so when we start talking about who we are and our self-image is a little wonked out and it's just not right, it's because, by golly, we decided we had a better way to do and we broke the thing. Yeah. And now we are born into a world and we're we're literally like a Cadillac that's in a that's in a garbage heap. And we're looking around going, hey. Compared to the other cars, I look pretty good. But yeah. that's that's what we think. That's all there is. Yeah. And God has so much more. But we we look at it. We get our self image from the garbage heap. Yeah. From the from coded in the lies and in the and in the in the the stuff that we look around and we go, golly, life's not fair. How could it, how could God be good if a four year old gets cancer and there's tsunamis that wipe out people? And da-da. Well, you know what. <laughs> God made it beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We messed it up, and now all we know is the messed up world we created. And God's trying to hand us back this beautiful life that he has intended for us. Mm -hmm. But God says, you got to do it my way and on my terms. Because when you do it on your terms, you mess it up. Yeah, and I think that's where this idea of identity and self-worth is so critical because it is a relational issue, emotional issue, but mm-hmm. it is very much spiritual in the sense that whatever you put your identity or self-worth in basically is what you worship. Yeah. It's, it's, it's idolatry. And, and it's so easy, um, especially someone who's done youth ministry for a long time of when you start to allow the world to define who you are, what you should do, mm-hmm. how you should look, uh, there's no end in sight to that. It's never fulfilling. And, 
Um, it just leads to spiritual bankruptcy. And usually the hard part of it is some of the things we put our worth in, they're not necessarily bad. Like it's, it's not evil to want people to like you and not hate you. It's not, but it's evil not, to want to be successful, no, but it's not but your, it's not your, the best. Yes. It's not the identity. It's not mm-hmm. the best. And you know, we forget, um, we forget so often that, that when God comes along and he says, I've got this best life for you. Mm-hmm. I've got this abundant life for you. God's the only one that knows what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he really is. He's the only one. So if we want to know and, and grow into who we're supposed to be, we've got to start with God and we've got mm-hmm. to start with truth because we're so soaked in lies. You know, the Japanese had this thing where they were in World War II, you know, they would brainwash people. Yeah. You know, the problem is we're born with a, with, with a, cruddied up brain and we definitely need it being washed but we need it washed with what god thinks about us yeah because he absolutely adores us and that's where we have to start yeah we have to start in the word because the world cannot tell you who you are yeah the world is only trying to sell you something yeah and and it's always going to tell you you need to be thinner you need my jeans you need a new car you know that's what it's for yeah yeah. You know, and so you have to go into the word. You have to go into the word and you've got to go into it like making a pickle. You don't just dunk yourself in the word once every now and then, once on a Sunday. You have got to soak in it. And in the soaking, you become transformed. Did you say like a pickle? Yeah, that's how you make a pickle. <laughs> you stick it in there. You I, it, Do you not know how to make a pickle? I, I don't. You're okay. going to have to school me you on that. You take a cucumber. Yeah. And there's a there's a brine. It's a salty and vinegar and a bunch of spices. And you literally wash this cucumber and you just stick it in there and you leave it uh-huh. over a six week period. Yeah. And you've made a pickle. It starts in a cucumber. You made a pickle. The problem most of us want to do is we want to come to church on Sunday and, just, and we yeah. want to hear a sermon that um, somebody else prepared and did the work for. And we pat ourselves on the back just for going to Sunday school and church. Yeah. You need to be in the word every day. Yeah. You know, Jesus said, take and eat. He means take me in, yeah. receive me all the way down to your toes and your yeah. soul. Soak in it. You got to yeah. soak in it in order for God to to literally transform the lies into, into truth. Yeah. And that's where you find out who you are. Yeah. It's from your heavenly father. That's where you find out. Well, I, I love the pickle analogy. And uh, one of my favorite verses. I will teach you how to make pickles. Man, that, that's awesome. Uh, Paul writing to the Colossian church, he, he's, he's writing to a group of Christians, but he said, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment mm-hmm. from him so that you'll grow in faith. And one of the things I love about Christianity in particular, you read the New Testament, almost all of it is identity-based in the yeah. sense that, it's it's your being that leads to the doing. It's always about, hey, you are holy, you are beloved, you are chosen, you are mm-hmm. loved. Therefore, mm-hmm. now live a life that reflects who you are, not do righteous deeds, be holy, Absolutely. and then you'll be loved and chosen and beloved. No, you you are that. You just got to get that. You got to sink into that and well, then live that it out. Abide in me. That John 15 where Jesus is teaching, he's literally saying, abide in me. Mm-hmm. That's your identity. Yeah. That's how we're supposed to walk. God knows this world is a tough place. Yeah. He knows that hard things happen. So basically what he said is, 
I'm giving the Holy Spirit, hold his hands yeah, yeah. and and get really close to him and obey the commands I've given you. They're for your good. They're for your protection. They're for your safety. Yeah. They're they're leading you. Know, you know, you're basically saying, hold the Holy Spirit's hand and he's going to bring you home. Yeah. He's going to keep you safe inside my love. That is where we find our nurture. You know, one of the things about people with low self-esteem I've, I've discovered they they don't realize that what they think about the most mm-hmm. is themselves. Yeah. Every low self-esteem person and I was the I was the king. Mm-hmm. You think, well I'm not I'm not I'm not self-focused. I'm not Oh yes you are. Yeah. Everything that happens to you, you bounce off what does this mean to me? Do they like me? What did they think? Did, did they think I was cute? Did they think I was funny? Did they think I was smart? Will they invite me to a Everything is about self. One of the cool things about going on this great journey with Christ, this mm. great new relationship, is the first thing he says is, seek ye first the kingdom, mm-hmm. go after God, mm-hmm. and now go love others. Yeah. And and you want to go that last mile? Love them like I've loved you. Yeah. And that is taking your eyes off of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're finding now your your life. Yeah. And that's why Jesus on Christ's life in 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 Christ inside His will, you're walking His life. Yeah, that's why He says, you know, when you give your life away, Mm -hmm. that's when you find it. Yep. And our world teaches the opposite. You know, if you just focus on yourself, get what you want, what you deserve, then then you'll be happy or fulfilled. Absolutely. And and Jesus comes along. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, the the more you give your life away, the more you you love God, the more you love others, the more you will find who you are and uh, how God's designed you to be and what your identity is in him. Uh, And so it's just the opposite. I would, you know, for those who are listening, I, you know, obviously you had this, this major moment in your forties, but obviously this, this struggle with identity never fully goes away. It's something that you kind of have to battle against somewhat. Um, I did. I'll tell you, I battled the identity, which you're talking about the identity. I, I was not, living abundantly for eight or 10 years mm-hmm. after, you know, I, I, re, I mean, I, I remember cause I'm, I journaled during yeah. this and, um, and you know, the, one of the things I want to tell people be, be in the word, but also be honest with God, just yeah. honest, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like he doesn't know what you're thinking anyway, be yeah. honest with him. I was very honest with God. I was, I was, so I would come and I'd be writing and I, I would go to bed at night. Nobody's around and I'd be crying and, you know, going, God, you know, this life stinks. Yeah. I mean, I really hate this life, yeah. you know, and no one knew. You know, Tim didn't know. The girls didn't know. My best friend didn't know. No one knew. And I remember going back. Well, it's you're you're wearing yeah. a mask. Yeah, you yeah. know, hypocrisy. You're wearing the mask. You're an actor. But it took eight years, eight about eight years before I'm watching my journaling. I'm reading back, going, you know what? I'm honestly now living like. Ninety nine percent of the time, I'm living abundantly. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. but it took a long time. It wasn't a quick fix, but you know, wow. Yeah. Like I, honest to goodness, um, I am so grateful and so thankful, and I love every day of this life. I love spending this life with Christ. I love walking into a grocery store and hearing Jesus whisper, go talk to that lady over there, mm-hmm. you know, ask her about her children. I mean, that's where you're going to get. And to go from there to my 
in my, and it was about 40, 41. You know, it's funny. I remember where I was standing when it happened, but I don't remember how old I was. But, um, you know, I'm not sure if I'd not had Tim and my girls, I probably wouldn't be here. I probably would have, I probably would have committed suicide. I was that miserable. It was the girls, it was the family unit that was, um, you know, and and I kept trying to find something else to make, trying to find my identity, trying to find something to make me happy. So, um, I guess anybody listening, you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in going and talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, don't want to, Frazier has got some amazing women mm-hmm. who have walked the exact same walk that I've walked. Yeah. And if you want somebody to talk to, go find Susan Fisher and yeah. she will find you one of these amazing women to connect you with that will take your hand. And I'm just specifically talking about women right now. And I'm sure there are great guys out there too, but they will take your hand and they will help you walk into this freedom that you can find. And it's the most freeing of all lives. Um, when you start bearing, bearer, B-U-R-Y, burying yourself <laughs> in, into the heart of Christ, yeah. into the heart of God. I think that's a great word. You know, so along with immersing yourself in scripture and the truth of God's word, you're going to need other Christians by your side Absolutely. to kind of help you through this thing. So wherever you attend, getting in a small group, having a mentor, someone, uh, maybe even getting counseling if you're there. Yeah, you know, and, just... and to be honest about it. Yeah. Depression is a real illness. Yeah. Some people need all three things. They need medication to get their chemistry right. Yeah. You know, Tim's now a diabetic, and he takes medication to keep his insulin right. There's no shame in that. Yeah. And depression, some people actually have wonky chemistry. Sometimes we need a psychiatrist to help the chemistry right. Some of us need a counselor, a trained professional counselor to to help us get over these monster obstacles that are such strongholds, especially if you've been through abuse or any kind of uh, just trauma. But then we all, I mean, God gave us the church, gave us fellow Christians to, for the purpose of helping us grow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was too ashamed to go do that. And yeah. so I I believe with all my heart that my healing took a lot longer. Yeah. Because I was it was me and Jesus. That yeah. was it. Yeah. Because I was too ashamed. I was I was so prideful yeah. that I couldn't I just wouldn't allow myself to go talk to somebody. Yeah. But what a stupid me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stupid me because yeah. I you know, I could have been living abundantly much earlier. Yeah. You know, and I think even uh, for me, my story is not not quite like on the same um, level in that sense. But for me, mine's probably been more subtle in the sense that even as a pastor, you just start doing silly things where you start putting your self-worth. And maybe this could be a guy or a woman thing, but you know, putting your self-worth in success or mm-hmm. numbers or what people say about you. And you don't even know you're doing it, uh, but you just feel better when things are up and mm-hmm. you feel a little worse when things are down. And, but then do you start to think about how silly it all is? Like when, like you're living to please people, you might not even know in five years, you're bending over backwards to, um, make someone feel good. Who's mm-hmm. a curmudgeon, you know, yeah. like you're never going to please them anyways. And, and you just start to see the ridiculousness of it. And it's like mm-hmm. almost humorous that, man, I'm spending a lot of energy trying to please, please people, the world, please the world that it, it'll it never work no matter mm-hmm. what you do. Uh, and so and to, there's never, ever, you said it earlier, there's never satisfaction in pleasing the world. 
Yeah. It the world is is a taker. Yeah. And um you anytime you go out to get more of what the world want the world's selling, which is yeah. whether it's a a new spouse, a new car, a new job, a new a new body, yeah. a new a new anything it's always like that new car, the new car smell, it it wears off and you've got to have another one. Yeah. You know, that's what the world yeah. is offering us. And, you know, it's so funny. I would never have believed earlier in my life that I would be so vocal about abundant life. But for me, it's it's the tragedy of people accept Christ as their, as they give mouth service to it, lip service as their Lord and Savior. They yeah. get saved and then they go live this stinky life thinking I got to now wait till I get to heaven to get the good stuff. Yeah. And that's so wrong yeah. because what Christ is trying to do is say, I, yes, I, I want you saved. I want you now to be a child of God, yeah. a, a citizen of heaven, but let's go have this wow life now. Yeah. And it's, in that experience of the relationship of Christ, yeah, that He transforms the identity, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, yes, it's amazing to find out that God loved you enough to die for you. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow, yeah, and and that He made you unique on purpose. Yeah, you know, you got that weird laugh and you got those weird <laughs> little habits on purpose because God made you to mm-hmm. have them because He's going to use them. Yeah, but you don't get. The whole thing. You don't yeah. get the abundant living and the abundant life until you literally jump in the deep end with God. Yeah. And it's so fun and it's so amazing that you kind of forget self. Yeah. And yeah. your image is found in him and what he wants to do and where he wants to go. Yeah. And when you go to bed at night, you're not going, how did I do today? And you're not going through your mind going, where did I screw up? And where did I look good? And, you know, like giving yourself points. Yeah. You're going to bed and Jesus is going, that's a pretty darn good day, don't you think? <laughs> and you're going, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and this is what I would, maybe on a closing note, I would just encourage people, you know, obviously be in the word. Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians are great. But really studying the Gospels, studying the life of Jesus, because he was the one being here on earth who was completely secure in mm-hmm. who he was, his mission, his relationship with the Father. And you read his life, and he was just so awesome because of that. Like, he just—he yep. he was completely uh, secure in everything he was doing, whether it was confronting religious leaders, whether it was hanging out with notorious sinners. You could tell that all this other stuff that we worry about, like, he was— Did he not was, matter. Yeah, and— I'm always like, man, I want, I want to live like that. Like that is, is incredible. Well, I know we're um, getting over time, but uh, Virginia, I just want to thank you so much. And what's interesting to me is like, I've only known you on the, the other side of this. And, uh, Oh, I was horrible. Yeah, I, I was, was say, the but, worst form of a witch you've ever, you can possibly <laughs> imagine. Well, my first five minutes, I was like, she's one of the most genuine, real people I've ever met. So for, for, oh, for no, you to I, hear I have, that you at one point I were, have Oscars <laughs> tucked in a closet somewhere. Yeah, though, no, but that's, know. that just shows you the transformation of what Christ can do. So. It, it's it's amazing. And for for the cynics out there and the ones that, um, you know, it, it's worth it, guys. It yeah. is worth it. It is so worth jumping in the deep end with Jesus Christ. And mm. and I had to get to the point where I had been doing it my way for so long, and it fi- I finally ran out of tricks. I, fan- mm. I ran out of new things to try, and I got exhausted, and I just said, well, I'll do it God's way. Yeah. And it was the best, the best, the best mm. decision, you know, followed by marrying Tim Thompson, the best decision <laughs> that um, that has, has ever, I've, I've ever done 
done I've That's ever awesome. made. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here with us. And uh, for those who are listening, uh, please subscribe if you'd like to. You can also rate it. That's very helpful as well. Uh, we always have more resources at Church where you can find sermons and other materials. But again, encourage you to be in the Word, uh, to be in a small group, allowing people to speak truth into your life. And uh, just hope you have a great week. God bless you. Thank you.